What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on Earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide-open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Breaking news, WABC. And the man with that breaking news is Governor David Patterson. What do you have for us, Governor? Well, I issued a statement today supporting Governor, uh, wow, Governor Hochul's nomination of uh, Hector LaSalle to the uh, to be the chief judge of the Court of Appeals. <clears throat> and I did that because it really seems to me that this is a man who is of Hispanic descent, who grew up in Suffolk County. And uh, because he is not a wild socialist, uh, he's unacceptable to uh, many of the senators. But the reality is that his voting record is not particularly conservative. It's very moderate. And um, I think that the senators are upset because a progressive wasn't chosen, not because he himself is uh, not progressive. And it's um, very unfortunate right now that that kind of thing would go on. Uh, There have been 38 chief judges appointed to New York's Court of Appeals in hundreds of years by 10 governors who were uh, Republican and 28 by those who were Democrat. I appointed one myself. And I don't see any reason why this man can't serve. He's been outstanding at every level of the bench as he's moved up. And he's really a quite engaging person. I had the chance to talk to him recently. Um, I actually sat next to him at a dinner about a month and a half ago. I never would have occurred to me that he'd be nominated. But I think right now, uh, if they're looking for support, they'll get it from me. Well, Governor Patterson, thank you so much. Uh, you, if you like, you can hold on. We're, gonna, we're going on to uh, uh, our uh, n- number one interview on Tuesdays is uh, Professor, Alan, Professor Alan, Alan Dershowitz. If you would like to stay on, David. He's sure. a leading Professor Dershowitz, a leading constitutional attorney in the country, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law. Welcome back to Cats at Night. And your latest book, The Price of Principle? Well, thank you. I'm always happy to follow David Patterson, who's uh, a great, great guy, was a great governor, and comes from a great family. So thanks for having me on. Professor, Professor, uh, do you know this uh, uh, candidate for uh, the appeals court? I don't, except I know that all the courts around the world are getting politicized. Um, The Supreme Court of the United States is being politicized. I got an email today saying uh, from Democrats, please send money so we can pack the court. Elizabeth Warren wants to pack the court. We want four more justices, and we want to be able to pick them so that they vote the right way. Same thing's going on in Israel today. It's going on all over the country. Oh, my God. We're seeing the courts being politicized. I don't know this guy, but if he is a down, a middle, even if he's conservative, if he obeys the rule of law and he's a good judge, there shouldn't be opposition to him because he's not a progressive. We don't judge people's progressiveness when we, it comes to nomination. We have in, also in the studio, because of the breaking news, I, ne- I neglected to, uh, to, to uh, talk about them. We got Judge Richard Weinberg and, and Rudy Washington. 
uh, was deputy mayor under Rudy Giuliani. And you guys know uh, Judge LaSalle at all? I don't know him personally, but I know a, a number of my former colleagues know him well. I think he's an excellent judge, of a lovely man, very charming, very erudite. He's an excellent, he's an excellent choice. But the problem, I think Professor Dershowitz hit it right, this politicalization of the process for nominees for judgeships is absolutely awful. They put in a list, Alan, of people who were acceptable to the progressives and were unacceptable, and uh, LaSalle was on the unacceptable list. That's no way to, to pick judges. I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. We're turning the courts into yet another political institution, and the courts are supposed to be above politics. Um, and, you know, there was a great story once when, when President Hoover – um, received the word that Oliver Wendell Holmes was going to retire, the greatest justice. And he asked his attorney general to give him a list of the 10 most qualified judges in America. The attorney general gave him a list, and Benjamin Cardoza of New York was on the bottom of the list. And Hoover turned to the attorney general and said, it's a great list, but you have it upside down. Uh, Cardoza should be on the top. And the attorney general said, no, he's Jewish. He's a Democrat. He's from New York. None of those fit the criteria I want. You already have a Jew. There are three New Yorkers. And Hoover said, I don't care. I want the best, most qualified person, even though I'm a Republican. He's a Democrat. And he appointed Cardozo, who served with great distinction. Oh, for those days again. Oh, if we could only get back to a time when judicial appointments were made on the merits rather than on the basis of politics. Yeah, Alan. Jesuits, I believe that President Nixon after he lost the uh, nomination of Clement Hainsworth, picked Harry Blackman, who was actually a very progressive judge on the Supreme Court. And, he turned um, out to be that way, but when he was first nominated, he was called one of the Minnesota Twins. Yes, yes. his nomination had been pushed by Warren Berger from Minnesota. And here you have a small state, relatively Minnesota, getting two Republican justices picked uh, on the court. And, of course, Blackman became Roe versus Wade, very progressive, very liberal, and somebody I knew uh, and respected enormously. I remember him and I taking a walk through the Harvard Yard one day after Roe versus Wade, and uh, he telling me he was more surprised than anybody else that he voted that way, that, you know, 10 years earlier, he wasn't sure he would have voted that way. But, you know, he's changed. He's grown. He said, you know, he was chief medic, chief lawyer for the Mayo Clinic. So he saw medical care. He saw abortions. He had daughters. He had a wife. You know, he grew into the job and he changed his views. Was Roe versus Wade the greatest judicial decision ever written? No, it, you know, lacked a lot of logic. On the other hand, it just shows you that when you pick somebody to be a judge and he puts the robe on or she puts the robe on, they can change the matter. Professor, wasn't that true also for the Warren Court? Uh, Earl Warren. Earl they never Warren. expected Earl Warren right. to be They never expected him to do that, right. right. And and he got that way, I read, uh, because his driver, who was African-American, drove him out to a meeting, and the meeting went on night. He spent the night, and when he came out, his driver was there, and he said, oh, how did you get here so soon? And his driver said, <clears throat> I never left because I had nowhere to sleep. Oh, and, my God. And, yeah. and, and he said that really struck him real deep. 
Alan, I wanted. I knew Earl Earl Warren, and, you know, there's one word to describe him. He was a real match. He was just a person with tremendous amount of decency and concern. He cared about everybody. He knew the name. I was a law clerk when he was the chief justice. He knew the names of the law clerks, their wives, their children. He took us to football games. Uh, The the Washington, those days, they had a different name than they have today. But um, uh, he was a. He was a phenomenal guy. And, uh, you know, in those days, the Supreme Court as well was somewhat less politicized. Alan, talking about the politicization, uh, the Chief Justice Roberts just issued his annual report. Right. And he and the big issue that he raised was security for judges. Yeah. And part yeah. of the problem is, and Judge uh, Justice Alito raised this issue by leaking that draft opinion on the abortion case. Alito said they put a target on our backs. And this has become. We know that. We know that. We know that somebody came up to Kavanaugh's house with a machete and with weapons in order to kill him. And had he killed him, the vote would have been different on Roe versus on the overruling of Roe versus Wade. You know, sometimes tragically assassinations work. That's why I think the leaking of that decision was one of the worst things in the history of the Supreme Court. And we still haven't gotten to the bottom of it. And I suspect it's because. There are a lot of people who don't want to know the answer to that question. Exactly. I think they know the answer, and they don't. And you're right; they don't want to release it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen in Congress? Are we going to have a Speaker of the House? What do you think? Well, you know, John, you don't have to be a member of Congress to be Speaker. David, you're nominated. <laughs> I wanted John to be. <laughs> I'm looking at CNN right now, and it's saying, according to them, breaking news, GOP hardliners discussing making motion to adjourn. So, yeah, well, they, they, they certainly won't get anything out of another vote. You know, went from 19 to 20. Who knows where it's going to go? Um, this is a real, uh, real deadlock. And when the framers of the Constitution created our checks and balances, I don't think they had in mind uh, this kind of deadlock. Um We've only had it half a dozen times in our history. And, you know, it could have easily happened on the Democrat side, too. There are as many Democrat radical leftists as there are radical rightists on the Republican Party. And that's what you're looking at right now. A situation where if the Democrats had a vote like this, you'd get the squad saying, no, we won't vote for Pelosi. But, you know, the Democrats managed to keep their act together a little bit better, to manage to hide their differences because Pelosi was generally much more acceptable to all sides. But both parties are inflicted with extremism on on the margins. Well, I constantly say extremism in any direction is not warranted. I I, I think in addition to the extremism, John, that one of the problems is that these people don't even know what they're voting for, Uh, and, and, and in some respects on both sides. Your leader is not the most extreme member of the party that gets attention by, um, uh, you know, attacking the other party. Your your leader is the negotiator. And apparently, though they want to uh, move McCarthy out, they haven't found someone who's acceptable to that other side and at the same time could be someone that could negotiate with the president and the majority leader of the Senate. You know, no, it's certainly not going to be Jim Jordan. Um, no, I, I think, not, I think, uh, uh, centrist. Professor, I think that it's going to be Steve Scalise. Well, he's everybody, everybody. I think Scalise is a little bit like 
uh, Sarah Lee cake. You know, nobody doesn't right. like Sarah Lee. <laughs> and Scalise seems to have lower negatives than o- almost anybody, so he might be might be the right compromise. Uh, Judge Weinberg, what what is the major issue that the GOP hardliners have against uh, McCarthy? Oh, it's all about personality. It's all about personality. So it's not you know, policy; it's just personality. No, I think I th- they think he's not hard enough, right? But I also think they didn't like the way he talked to them sometimes which is too bad because sometimes you have to do a firm talking to. Nancy Pelosi was known for giving people stern conversations. Look, whatever you think of Nancy Pelosi's politics, uh, you, you have to admit she was a really good leader. And she kept the Democrats together, and that's like herding cats. And, um, you know, she's accomplished a lot. I disagreed with a lot of her policies. I thought she should never oppose with Elon O'Mara for the cover of Rolling Stone magazine and other things like that. But on balance, I think she'll go down in history as a very solid Speaker of the House. Well, thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz, for always giving us your insight and your wisdom. And you sound much better. I know the last time you were on with us, you were a little under the weather. And thank you, Governor Patterson. But your nomination is in place for Speaker of the House. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'll whip some votes for you, uh, David. All right. (laughs) Well, Rudy, if you're with me, I've got a good shot.